Matthew, Nick, and Jack bring the music of Hushpad to the antidote. Guys, good to have you. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Good to be here. I guess last time we were really meeting Matthew is when we were at Cornerstone during the final year. 4.30 in the morning, drinking coffee, and it's 100 degrees. Are you enjoying audio feed where it's a little cooler? Definitely. Uh, I like the slightly less crazy pace of audio feed as compared to the madness of the last year of Cornerstone especially. Something I find interesting about Hushpad is you guys don't fit the normal mold. I mean, the band is primarily you, Matthew, but you draw on a bunch of other players, so you've got to talk about who else is involved besides Nick and Jack. Um, It's always sort of, I write the songs, and then I just get whoever I can to help me play them. Um, There's been some more permanent versions of the band, but really, this is only the third incarnation, I think, probably, of an official live version of Hushpad as a full band. All of our recordings are mostly home recordings that I at least started and then other people added things to or what have you. But um, this version of the band, yeah, like is only around for a month out of, <laughs> out of every year. <laughs> uh, you know, friends, family, uh, my brother played with me for a while. Um, yeah, it's a rotating cast. That's what that's why I always say it's like a volleyball game. <laughs> You're not being really clear about who we're all talking to. Well, these guys are the most permanent members of Hushpad. These are my sons, Nick and Jack. And uh so in one form or another I've been playing music with them since they were pretty young. How how old were we when I, when we had our first show? We we our first sh- official show, um, and the first time that my son Nicholas here played drums, uh, we covered an ELO song at a at a church, uh, <laughs> like New Year's Eve lock in. That's typical <laughs> church music, you know. Yeah, we were like, well, what, what will these people not like at all? <laughs> <laughs> how old would you say you guys were? Uh, I think I was about eight. Yeah. It would have been 12. And pretty much since you started playing guitar, we've been messing around together. So how long ago was that? Six years now, at the very least. Yeah, and in six years, you've outpaced me as a guitarist (laughs) easily. They started out on the violin playing other people's music, like, you know, Brahms and those kind of dudes. But uh, as soon as they figured out what instrument was their instrument and uh, wanted to start writing and making our own music. These guys have been a part of Hushpad. Yeah, for a lot of time. Being a family band, did you guys get all the matching suits? You know, those really (laughs) ugly ones? We're working on it. We're working on it. (laughs) And who is Matthew going to make him play the accordion? That would probably end up being me, to be honest. It's just no one else would do it. Yeah. You actually like the accordion, so (laughs) I think you would be willing to. Yeah, it's a, it's a challenging instrument. And it, if anything is too challenging for me, I usually pass it over to Jack. On Facebook, you list that you also have a chicken in the band. I've really had enough of talking with all you guys. I want to talk to the chicken. That's a long story, really, but to sum up, um, the chicken left the band. We just had some creative differences. There's really no hard feelings or anything, but uh, yeah, the chicken's, the chicken's out. He's got a, a, another project that he's been working on. 
Um, I'm not sure what it's called or anything, though. Did the chicken make quite a squawk about it? No, it, it, it the chicken actually tinkled. <laughs> it, it, it was one of those toy chickens that uh, babies play with, that when you move it, it makes these, like, tinkly sounds. And uh, it got lost. I don't know what happened to the chicken. We would still use it if we had it. It was a percussion instrument. Guys, when did you all want to be musicians? Like our dad said, we started out playing violin when we were really young. and Four? Five. Four at least, yeah. yeah. And from there, we kind of branched out and messed with different instruments as we listened to new different types of music. So I was about eight. First time I played drums at that church show, and from there on, I pretty much just stuck with drums. I wasn't real good at anything else, so... But talk about a crazy change. Okay, you're going from Brahms to Hushpad. I don't you... know if it's that crazy. Sometimes there's a lot of uh, classical aspects, I think, to how I, at least how I arrange our music, you know? Like, I'm a big fan of Baroque pop bands from the 60s that, like the Left Bank and stuff like that, you know, that incorporated a lot of classical stuff into their music. And I think I sort of think about music more in you know, like a song in movements a lot of times than I do it being a verse-chorus-verse structure. I just think about the dynamics. So they're not that different, pop music and classical music. Songs are just shorter, except, you know, when there are songs. They're 12 minutes <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, that covers the music content, but what about the lyrical? Like, are you drawing from your own life experiences? Are you drawing in abstract thoughts? How does it all come about? I think any honest songwriter is always drawing from their personal experiences, even if they put it in the form of a song. I think once you write something, it becomes a kind of fiction. But, you know, whatever the rapping inside is still my thoughts and feelings and the things that I feel like I need to express with music. A guy recently in an interview asked us if we had like a mission statement or anything like that and i'm like i don't think we need one of those <laughs> like i've always wanted to express myself through music since i can remember i would tape record myself singing on my uncle's old sears stereo with the little plug-in microphones you know it's just always something i've had in me that i want to get out there are you going to resurrect those never <laughs> uh no one wants to hear that I sang a lot about cassava melons for some reason. I don't, I don't even know that I knew what a cassava melon was, but those seem to end up in my songs that I made up a lot. I, I really don't know what I was trying to express. It was, they, were, they were pretty strange. Actually, ironically, don't like melons at all. They make me nauseous. The smell, even. But well, you guys like them. I like melons. Yeah. Melons are, are okay with you guys. Are we getting way off track here? There, I don't think really there's a track with, <laughs> with our thought processes. Tylo getting off track, though, seriously, the music of Hushpad, it covers a lot of ground. The interesting thing in that I find, you look up your band online, and it says indie pop. Indie pop, and I'm going, okay, I would have called it shoegaze. Mm. But now, you're old, so I'm not even going to talk to you about this. I want to talk to these yeah. guys about it. How would you describe your music? Um, shoegaze is an influence, but it's ended up becoming more than just, we're going to be this type of band. It's about the songwriting. 
mostly and uh, the the sound the atmosphere of the music it ends up being whatever whatever suits the feel of the song some songs end up being like fairy tales with tinkly sounds some of them end up being more straight rock numbers there's usually some amount of jazz influence but we don't really set out to make a jazz song or a pop song it just sort of happens that sounds like a politician's type of answer. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the truth, though, really. Um, you know, I'll, I'll come up with an idea, and then, you know, whatever the impetus is of that will branch out, and the song will sound simultaneously 60s and 80s, and then the bridge will be a straight-up jazz standards bridge or something. I mean, like, all the things that we love find their way into pretty much all of the songs, I think, you know, I mean, there's some that are more specifically a 60s pop song or specifically, a, you know, a shoegaze kind of early 90s ethereal song or whatever. But I don't think any songwriter should really think about that stuff too hard. You know, you kind of have to let a song have a life of its own and, you know, go where it's going to go. And we don't really want ever to be pigeonholed as this kind of band I, I it probably shouldn't but it rubs me the wrong way a little bit sometimes when people will call us a shoegaze band even though I was totally into all that stuff in the early 90s and it's a huge influence it doesn't take any precedence over all of the 60s or 70s or 80s stuff that I love you know or the many different styles of music that all are part of of all of that stuff I want to hear about your new album, and you've got to help me with the pronunciation. It's Alas. But spelled significantly differently. Yeah. H-E-L-A-S. It's from an Oscar Wilde poem um, of the same name. And that poem kind of sums up the idea behind the whole album. The love is something that you know often ends sadly. It's especially for Oscar Wilde. I googled the title to find out that it meant Alas, or unfortunately... Yeah, people pronounce it alas or helas or whatever, it, but it, it's alas. It's the anachronistic spelling of, of alas. I'm pretty anachronistic. <laughs> the album's really chill, but does that really encapsulate what the release is all about? Um, I don't really know that I would know how to answer what it's really all about. I mean, when you listen to any album that's worth listening to I would and I would hope ours is that um you know it means something to the listener my intention was to write about me and love pretty much you know most of the songs are about the experiences that I've had and have currently loving and the difficulties that surround that there's songs for both of my boys uh that are about how hard it is to love somebody so much that you care deeply about what happens to them, even though you know you can't control the things that are going to happen to them. Um, a lot of it's about my tragic romantic past. Uh, you know, just regular songwriter kind of stuff. All songwriters write about broken hearts, and I'm no exception. <laughs> and you incorporate that into a song also incorporating pinball machines with tilt. That song in particular is about how lost I feel in the world of modern romance. The first line of the song uh, pretty much sums it up. Uh, there is no place for me in the world of modern romance. Uh, you know, I feel a little bit too romantic for this time period sometimes. 
and you're also technologically challenged. And that's also maybe why you like pinball machines. I, yeah, I love pinball machines. I, I love any kind of old uh, old stuff. But I, I always loved pinball machines when I was a little kid. I still do, like, dearly love them. So do the boys. Yeah, pinball and always video games. Any Anything with contraptions, especially if it's a game that you can play, even better. They have buttons, and all guys like buttons. Yep, and flashing lights. It's exciting stuff. Coming back to last, the album. This was another surprise for me, because here you guys are, coming from the Midwest, you know, land of soybeans and corn. But you decide to write a really gorgeous song about the ocean, Pacific Ocean Blue. Uh, well, the boys are actually living in San Francisco now in the Bay Area. What the song is about time I spent there um, after a breakup and feeling probably the most alone I've ever felt and how something as mighty as the ocean kind of puts your own emotional state in perspective a little bit. Especially looking back at it, I can see how I knew then that I was probably going to be okay. Just because, you know, what did my problems really amount to? A guy standing on a beach in front of the ocean. You guys got to tell me about the West Coast. And loving it? It's different. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's very different. It's a very different life, especially from growing up here in the Midwest and then moving away from all our family here out to the Bay Area. It's a big change. The mindset there is very different. Your average person just doesn't think about life the way that people in the Midwest do. We get really stressed out all the time. And people on the West Coast are just like, oh, I got a ticket. You know, I wonder what I'm going to have for lunch. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> they just move oh, on. I, I thought you were going to say something nasty about all our West Coast people and alienate all those listeners that we have out there. You know, I, I grew up here, so I think I have the right to criticize it. I still live here. Um, but, you know, it's easier for people to feel less connected globally here in the Midwest than it is when you live in a place where walking in down one city block, you hear six different languages. So I think out West, maybe people have a little more perspective on the world and life than a lot of people here let themselves have. But, you know, there's plenty of people who live here that are exceptions to that, thankfully. Hushpad had a pair of releases prior to Alas for Kites and String, and what was called the Tour EP. You want to talk about how you actually did the recording on those two? Well, for Kites and String, was recorded much in the same way that Alas was only long ago. <laughs> uh, I recorded for Kites and String in 97 and 98, I think. Um, mostly home recordings, all done on a cassette four-track. Um, and then assembled together in the studio with a little bit more hi-fi. We went to 8-track, and then it got mastered and remastered, and it just sort of got lost. The whole project became such a monster that I abandoned it for years and then uh, kind of came back to it. So you mean it was just the frustration with dealing with that? Um, mostly mixing. Mixing is, you know hard <laughs> i really love recording and producing like i love 
you know, creating the sonic tones that are involved in making a record sound interesting. But when mixing, when that time comes, I'd really love to step back, but that's a luxury that I couldn't afford then or now pretty much. So <laughs> I, I'd end up doing it myself. But yeah, that, that, that album, uh, was just a picture of that time in my life. And alas, is kind of the picture of 20 years later. Is that making you feel old? 20 years later? I guess it should, um, but I don't. You don't have any gray hair happening yet. Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Wait, so you wait till you see me in the sunshine. The silver just comes to, to, come to life. Um, you know, I mean, a lot's happened, but I'm the same guy then as I am now, and that same guy when I was the boy's age. You know, I feel like I've always been this guy. Always wanted to do what I do now. It's cool to see that happening with the boys and, you know, them coming into their own as far as creating music and, and stuff like that, seeing myself and them both at the times of their life that they're in now. and uh, But I don't know, it doesn't seem like 20 years ago. I can remember it pretty well. <laughs> okay, so we've lost one band member because they've actually got to play some music. You mentioned this time of your life with the music. Are you content with it being a part-time part of what your life is? So many artists want to have this full-time, and that's their sole aspiration. Well, it is as important to me as anything. I don't think that what you do for a living, you know, for money, necessarily defines who you are. Um, you know, I'm a barista. That's not who I am. It's just what I do. Um, music is who I am. I mean, I'm an artist. I, I just naturally create things, you know, whether it's paintings or, you know, whatever. Um, the boys are the same way. They're both, you know, very creative people. Like, it's just part of who they are. So, uh, you know, I don't really think about it as an occupation. It's just how I am. I agree completely. I think me and my brother are both very much creatively driven and we like to explore different modes to express that feeling whether it's music or drawing or painting or whatever we can create so the creativity isn't just kept isolated in the music itself it's broader spectrum yeah definitely but our family and especially our dad being so musically driven it definitely leaves an imprint on us okay time to tell us where to find the music of hushpad uh, anywhere music is sold, uh, pretty much these days. Um, right now, everything's digital, because that's pretty much where people buy music. Um, you can get it on iTunes, you can get it on Amazon, uh, we've got videos on YouTube, we've got a Facebook page with links to everything, and you can listen to it on Spotify. We're trying to get it out there so people can hear it. I'm much less concerned with people buying it than enjoying it. You know, however you like. Well, Hushpad has been here for a talk with The Antidote. Guys, thanks so much for coming and taking some time to speak with us. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having us here.